This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. And here we come, baby. I'm excited about it. <clears throat> Hopefully you are, too. We're not letting you get to the weekend, though, without finding out who is being denounced. Much like the Ayatollah wields his fatwa, I am wielding, or yielding, wielding my denunciation hammer. And the following individuals are the unfortunate recipients of this week's the Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciation. I must begin by denouncing Angriz Singh. This is an Indian man who has been caught trying to take an exam at a Punjab university on behalf of his girlfriend. Okay, that's bad. He did it by cross-dressing. He wore lipstick, makeup, and female clothes. But he couldn't fool the officials at Baba Farid University of Health Sciences. And they caught this young Indian man using a disguise and fake documents in order to take the exam of multi-purpose health workers on behalf of his girlfriend. This is terrible. I don't want health workers that can't pass their own exam. I certainly don't want uh, health workers that are so dumb that they think it's a good idea to have their boyfriend dress in drag to go and take the exam on their behalf. Mr. Singh, I do denounce you. I must also denounce UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, who will not make his usual appearance at a prominent New York City synagogue's International Holocaust Remembrance Day event next week. This is insane. Um, This is going to be the first time ever that a U.N. chief has sat out a Holocaust event. I mean, this is just crazy. Given what's going on in the world now, and I know where the U.N. is on the, you know, Israel-Gaza situation, but what are you hearing from the Palestinians? You're hearing this is a genocide, this is a genocide. If that's the case, and if that's what you believe, Mr. Gutierrez then shouldn't it be all the more important and all the more relevant to commemorate events that remember one of history's greatest genocides or attempted genocides? So whether you side with the Palestinians or the Israelis or you have a more nuanced view, I don't know how you, as the head of the UN, sit out International Holocaust Remembrance Day for the first time. It's not as if he's attending for the first time. He always goes, as did his predecessor. Shame on you, Antonio Guterres. I do denounce you. I must also denounce this unnamed farting passenger who forced an American Airlines flight to turn around. An American Airlines plane 
was reportedly forced to return to the gate due to this disgruntled passenger's rather smelly passing of gas. The big stink over this flatulent flyer unfolded while a recent flight from Phoenix to Austin was still on the ground. Before most people had boarded, they observed this man audibly disgruntled about something, maybe hungover. And as soon as he sat down, he was grumbling about something under his breath, like effing hell or something. That's what one witness observed. After the majority of passengers had boarded, the man repeatedly explained... You thought that was rude? Well, how about this smell? And proceeded to pass gas. Unnamed, flatulent passenger, I do denounce you. I must denounce the newspaper thief in Colorado. More than 200 copies of a newspaper in Colorado last week were stolen. And it looked like this could have been a police cover-up because the front page of this weekly newspaper, the Oray County Plain Dealer, featured a story alleging a relative of the police chief was one of three individuals arrested in connection with a sexual assault last May. So on Thursday morning, more than 200 copies of the paper were missing from vending racks around the town. Somebody went around town and stole all the newspapers because they didn't want anybody knowing what was happening. Um, now, thankfully, the newspapers were returned in a garbage bag Thursday evening. Once this became a, a rather large story, that's when they got wise and said, all right, we can't deprive people of their local news. But whoever did that, <clears throat> I do denounce you. I must denounce Brian Pere of Quebec, who has pled guilty to starting a whole bunch of wildfires in Canada, this uh, 38-year-old man pled guilty to lighting 14 fires in Quebec between May and September of last year. Canada had its worst wildfire season on record last year with, are you ready for this? 45 million acres burned. Burned. And on many days... Smoke from those fires spread across North America and around the world, degrading air quality and disrupting the daily lives of millions of people. I remember I was walking on the streets of Manhattan on one of these days, and it was almost like you were walking around on Mars. The sky in the middle of the day turned orange. There was this horrible haze all over the place, and it was... Very likely due to this guy, Brian Pere, lighting all these wildfires. Two of the firefighters that this, excuse me, two of the fires that this lunatic set forced people to evacuate about 500 homes. This is terrible. One of those, the Lake Caven fire, burned more than 2,000 acres of forest and was the largest of the fires that he admitted lighting. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Brian Pere, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Sahara Dula, a New York City driver who was captured on video intentionally running over a police officer and in the process of doing so saying, F these cops. It's a lesson to him. Although she didn't say F, she said the F word. 
So this woman drove into a police officer at a crime scene and admitted that it was intentional, saying, F these cops, it's a lesson to him. This 24-year-old woman was driving her black Lexus the wrong way on the Upper East Side while high on marijuana when she plowed into the police officer. I told the cop I wanted to go straight, and he wouldn't move. So I hit him. I did it on purpose. That's what she told investigators. F these cops. He wouldn't move. Whoever Miss Dula's parents are, I am sure they are proud of her. Ms. Dula, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the city of Portland, Oregon. Let me take you back in time to the year 2021. Someone says to the city, hey, city, we think this tree is a danger and would like to cut it down, please. The city says, no, it's fine. Let's go back to the present day, 2024. A tree falls on a house. Yes, the very same tree the city was warned about. The city now says, please file a retroactive removal permit or be fined. Also, plant a new tree to replace that one. This is insane. This is absolutely insane. January 13th, the second day of a winter storm that paralyzed the region, a 150-foot Douglas fir crashed on Sarah and Joel Bond's southwest Portland home. Peter Larkin, a neighbor, tells a local newspaper, we just watched it come down and got out of the way. He was standing in the Bond's living room with Joel, the guy whose house it is, when the tree crashed into the roof above the upstairs bathroom. In those kinds of moments, the first thing is trying not to get squished. The Douglas first smashed through the roof like a dull knife trying to cut through a tomato. It barely missed the Bond's six-year-old daughter, who was upstairs at the time. It sent one family cat, Binks, into hiding for the next eight days. Family thought he was dead until he surfaced out of the basement on January 21st. And this was all preventable. They had been asking the city of Portland for permission to chop down the tree that hit their house since 2021, and the city didn't agree. February of 2022, the city's Urban Forestry Division denied the bonds a removal permit for the two Douglas firs. And now the bonds are without a home, and the city is requiring them to ask for a retroactive removal permit for the tree that fell. This is insane. This is insane. I, I don't know if that show Portlandia is still on. I don't think it is, but if it was, this ought to be an episode of, of Portlandia. This is textbook city bureaucracy and insanity at its finest. A uh, City of Portland, I do denounce you. I also want to denounce anyone eating uh, fried toothpicks. There has been a health warning from South Korea's food ministry, and it has urged people not to eat fried toothpicks made of starch in a shape resembling curry fry, curly fries after the practice went viral in social media posts. You know, I see one day, so, uh, you know, these people want to ban TikTok, and I think that's so lame. I see the next day... Uh, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, tries to name social media as an environmental contagion and as the next public health crisis. And I think that's so ridiculous. And then I see this and I say, OK, I see what everybody's talking about. 
these video clips showing people consuming these deep fried starch toothpicks with seasonings such as powdered cheese have racked up thousands of likes and shares on TikTok and Instagram. Their safety as a food has not been verified, according to the Ministry of Food and Drug Safety. What are you doing? I'm asking you, please, for your own safety. Please avoid eating toothpicks, even of the fried variety. I want to denounce YouTuber Rendon Dietzman, who filmed himself speeding over 150 miles per hour on a highway and is now wanted by police. Authorities in in Colorado are searching for this YouTuber who filmed himself motorcycling at such high speeds that he traveled between two major cities in 20 minutes rather than the typical hour it normally takes. The trip on I-25 from Colorado Springs to the Denver metro area was recorded by Rendon Dietzman, a 32-year-old from Texas, on September 28th. The video is no longer on the YouTube, but it has been shared by the department, and it appears to show Dietzman going more than 150 miles per hour while squeezing through small gaps in traffic and traveling on the highway shoulder. Now, I look at these people riding motorcycles when I'm driving to work or driving home, and I'm amazed at how fast they're going. I'm just amazed because they do this. They weave in and out of traffic going faster than anybody can catch them. None of them are going 150 miles per hour. This guy's going 150 miles per hour. But the thing of it is, it's not only is he showing a reckless disregard for his own life and other people's lives, but he's dumb enough to film it and post it because he's proud of it. I, I can't stand this guy. Rendon Dietzman, I do denounce you. And lastly, I want to denounce the country of Turkey. Turkey is apparently the worst country, according to the Natixis Retirement Index rank, for Americans to retire in. Yes, if you're an American, don't retire in Turkey. It is the worst country to retire in in the whole world for Americans because of its political and economic instability. You know, it's funny. It's true. I had some friends that went to Turkey just to visit. They were they were almost thrown in jail. I'm not joking. They were almost thrown in jail. And they weren't doing anything beyond saying that they were for freedom and things like that. Turkey is the worst country to retire in for Americans because of its political and economic instability and the unreliability of the country as a retirement destination. Additionally, the language barrier, with Turkish being the official language, may pose challenges for retirees not proficient in the local language. Chances are you might not be. The country also performs poorly in health, finances in retirement, quality of life, and material well-being. So for those of you looking for an alternative to Florida, I would say don't consider Turkey. Cross it right off your list. All right. If uh, you want to comment on anyone I have denounced or anything I have denounced, you're welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 
24 minutes after the hour, this is the great Anita Baker, who is celebrating her birthday today. A wonderful singer. She is 66 years old today. Happy birthday, Anita Baker. You know, it's very funny. Um, my uh, A friend of mine, um, of, I haven't seen him in a little while, but a good guy, and once in a while, this is four years ago, he told me the story. We're having a cigar. And he's telling me a story about meeting, um, I think it was Whitney. Yes, it was Whitney Houston. We're meeting Whitney Houston in, um, I think, Aruba or somewhere tropical like that. He's on vacation and she's on vacation and just runs into her and recognizes that it's Whitney Houston. So this guy, guy's a personal guy. He was a cop at the time. And he says, um, you know, Miss Houston, I didn't. I just wanted to come over and uh, and say hello. You know, um, you know, I've been following your work for a long time, been following your career for a long time. Whatever he says, this is more than thirty years ago. And he says, you're my wife's favorite singer. And she says, oh, hi, Joey. She called him Joey. No one in the world calls him Joey. Go, hey, Joey. I. Um, what do you mean? I'm your wife's favorite singer. Aren't I your favorite singer? And he says, no. <laughs> And she says, who's your favorite singer? And he says, Anita Baker. And she says, oh, okay, I like Anita Baker too. And then they became kind of friendly. And it's kind of an interesting story. Maybe one day I'll have him on the air to tell us. They become kind of friendly. And she uh, invites him to uh, this, um, this, uh, and then one day he's home, you know, with his wife. And he calls and Whitney Houston, and this is probably the late 80s, early 90s, Whitney Houston is hanging out with Michael Jackson. And she puts Michael Jackson on the phone with my friend. And, um, you know, Michael Jackson says, oh, you know, uh, Whitney was telling me what a great time you guys had in Aruba. Uh, looking forward to meeting you. And Whitney invites my friend Joe and his wife to this party she was throwing. She goes and... Um, they, they both go to the party and Whitney Houston, who I think had hung out with them a couple of times by now, is being very friendly. She's introducing him to everybody. There's a couple of celebrities there, but not a lot. It's mostly just, you know, regular people and everyone's having a good time. And she says to my friend, you know, Joey, I, I've got a real, uh, he did security for her, I think a couple of times. So they got a real problem. What's the problem? Whitney Houston says, well, I have three men that want to marry me. And she, he says, all right, I'll tell you who to marry. Who, who are the men? And he said, and she said, Eddie Murphy, Bobby Brown, and Michael Jackson. And uh, Joey says, uh, easiest, easiest question I've ever been asked. Got to be Eddie Murphy. Why? And then he answers this question in a manner that's pretty disparaging to both Michael Jackson and Bobby Brown. And he said, after that, her whole demeanor towards him changed the rest of the night. She was not mean, but she was no longer warm. And then as soon as he got into the uh, car with his wife, uh, she said to him, you know, obviously you knew you gave the wrong answer to that, right? And sure enough, she went and married Bobby Brown. Whitney Houston did. But I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know many people that um, would have the quick wits and the cleverness to say, you're my wife's favorite singer, but not mine. Mine is Anita Baker. So happy birthday, Anita Baker. You have the distinction of being my friend Joe's favorite singer. 800-848-9222. Matt Blaze still out with COVID, as I understand it. Elias still masked. 
but he's here working hard. We appreciate his hard work. And uh, Tony's still suffering uh, in in silence, unmasked. How are you feeling, Tony? I'm feeling much better than I did yesterday. Oh, you are? So you're improving. Yeah, I'm, I'm improving. I'm glad today is my Friday, so I can relax tonight, uh, get a, drink some more orange juice, Alka-Seltzer Plus, you know, all the regular stuff. Well, now it's everybody's Friday. Yes. Did you take a COVID test? Not that I care. But yes, yes, I did. What, did you pass? Yes. So you're not COVID. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't be here out of respect for you guys. Well, you know what though? I feel like the way COVID is now, and I know I don't want to get people upset with me about this, but the way COVID is now, it it almost is just like having a cold or a bad cold for for you know most people. So I think. And I'm glad you're here because, honestly, if you weren't here, forget about it. I have no idea how we'd get the show on the internet or this morning. But I think for for people that say, oh, no, I'm really, I'm coughing, I'm dying, I got a cold, but I don't have COVID, so I'm going to make it into work. You could still infect everybody, not you personally, but one could still infect everybody with whatever illness you have, whether it's the flu or RSV. Just because you're free of COVID, it doesn't make you any less contagious. True. But, I mean, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thankful, very thankful you're here. Uh, But we hope you feel better. I know uh, you could probably use some rest. What are you doing this weekend? Any plans? Just going to watch the football games like you are. Yeah. Are you taking my picks? I'm going with Detroit. I'm going with Baltimore. All right. So, uh, and and are you factoring in the point spread in your no, prediction? No, that's, like, or that's your rooting interest. Yeah, whoever wins wins. You know, I, I don't do all of that. You uh-huh. know, a that's W's a W and an L's an L. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the um, the rooting interests of most of the country happen to be. Elias, what about you? What are your uh, weekend plans? I think uh, same as Tony. Also, uh, yeah, getting to relax. All right. Well, good for you. I'm uh, I'm excited. I do not. I have to stay a little later than usual. Uh, Fridays are a little chaotic for me because my wife does some uh, television work for her job on a Friday mornings. So rather than get to sleep from, say, 7 a.m. or 7.30 straight on until 1.30, I have to take uh, my son to school, which I don't mind doing. It's not a burden. I, I really treasure that time with him. But I, it means I have to get up at 8.15 to take him to school. And then uh, she's also got a weekly staff meeting that she goes on via Zoom around the time that he needs to get picked up. So I have to also wake up a little earlier. So I have a couple of things to do. Um, I think we. Ha- I think I have to stick around for a meeting this morning, and then uh, I have a couple other things to do uh, today. Other than that, I have no no real plans today. Tomorrow, we're going to our nephew Eric's first birthday party. Uh, assuming you know, my wife is still a little under the weather, so we're going to that. Um, assuming she's well enough to go, but I imagine, you know, she will be. And then Sunday, uh, we don't have any plans uh, except watching the games as uh, as Tony is and hopefully, you know, getting a chance to catch up on some work and on some rest, which uh, I could certainly use. All right, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Mike calling in from Tennessee, one of the terrific stations we're on out there, uh, WUCT and KWAM, great, great representatives of uh, the Pioneer State. Mike, right, you're the Pioneer State? Uh, volunteer State. Volunteer State, Pioneer, excuse uh, me, uh, forgive me, I apologize. <laughs> I thought you'd get a kick out of this. I just cracked up. I hadn't thought of this in years. You jogged my memory. Uh, I was in the military for 18 and a half years till Iraq. Law enforcement, criminal investigator, 
tell Iraq. But anyway, this is what happened. You're talking about aircraft. A C-17 is the largest uh, uh, plane in the U.S. Uh, arsenal. Well, when I got blown up in Iraq, I mean, I ain't missing no limbs or anything like that. I got a lot of titanium in me, but <laughs> this is what happened. And this is hilarious. This is hilarious. Uh, <clears throat> this fly, uh, flying me uh, from Landstuhl, Germany Hospital to Walter Reed. They had refueled. And uh, we took off. And I was on the top bunk strapped down in a C-17. I mean, that thing can haul over. I don't see how they get off the ground. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, you got two flight crew that's watching both eng- uh, four engines on each side of the plane. And uh, there was a young soldier below me. And uh, he was missing a couple, uh, a leg and a, a right arm. And uh, he's, uh, we lifted off. And I would have kissed that pilot's butt on the tarmac. But he got enough altitude. It started shuddering. And I seen the flight crews uh, watching the engine's eyes. And I thought, oh, crap. <laughs> I just started laughing because I had a handful of pills to knock me out to get to Walter Reed. And they was a crying and they was a praying. And uh, this young soldier, he uh, hollered at me. He said, Staff Sergeant, he said, what's going on? I was just cracking up. I just <laughs> laughed. I mean, I ain't kidding. I was laughing my butt off. I said, here it is. I've been blown up four times. And that pilot uh, turned it up and made it back to the runway. And because uh, I, <laughs> he said, Staff Sergeant, he said, what's wrong? I said, I just laughing. Everybody else is crying, praying. Now I'm laughing my butt off. I love it. I think that is outstanding. Absolutely no outstanding. Ain't over. <laughs> I was. I just. I was laughing my butt off, and I. And he said, "What's wrong, Staff Sergeant?" And I said, "I don't know, but this may hurt." We flew into a flock of geese. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Here it is. I've been blown up four times. I'm fixing to die. Loaded with fuel. And trying to get, I said, I don't know, little man, uh, but I said, this may hurt. <laughs> but the pilot, he couldn't reverse the engines due to the fact that uh, we flew into a flock of geese. We run off the end of the runway, and I'm thinking, okay, here we go. I'm fixing to die strapped down in a C-17. Because, I mean, they can haul over 60,000 pounds. Right. <laughs> so what happened? You survived just going through those geese? Yeah, but right. he couldn't reverse the engines. We run off the end of the runway. Uh, he had enough altitude, he could turn it up. Mike. Turn it up on the right. My and, goodness, uh, Mike. God bless you. Well, we're glad you're still here to tell us that story. 
Well, you jogged my memory. I hadn't thought about it. three traumatic brain injuries, man. If I don't write it down, I don't remember. I, I hear you, man. <laughs> I don't even have the uh, three traumatic brain injuries as an excuse to why I don't remember anything. Mike, thank you. Have a good weekend. 800-848-9222. Jay is in the Poconos. Jay, what station are you listening to us on up there? 92.5 FM. I love it. Is that our buddy uh, our buddy Vince's uh, station? Vince Benedetto? I don't I don't know. All I was just flipping through the radio, and I heard some guy talking, and I said, wait, that sounds like Frank Morano. I'm, I'm, I had to wait a little bit, and I'm, you sound a little different on FM. Hey, well, hopefully a lot better. <laughs> so, with the COVID, I feel like I'm almost immune to it, too. I had, uh, all through the pandemic, I, I worked in the healthcare supply industry, going to places with people with COVID, uh, worked through the city there, and uh, my wife actually got COVID, and I kissed her goodnight one night, and then the next morning she says, I have COVID, and when I came home, she's wearing a mask and staying on the other side of the house. I'm like, forget get the mask off. If I get it, I get it, and I, I never got it. Um, well, I, I mean, it's funny the way it works. Again, I, again, I, I'm uh, hesitant to pat myself on the back too much because I don't want to tempt fate, but... Um, two guys that we work with presently, uh, both had it, right? Uh, I didn't get it. My wife has had it twice and I never got it. And at least that I'm not aware. I mean, it's possible that I may have had it and just been asymptomatic, but then, uh, and my friend had it at the very beginning of COVID when it was uh, very much, you know, very much a, a scary thing. And he was laid up for a while. And right before, the day before he started showing symptoms, not only did he go to bed with his wife, but he made out with her like a teenager. And uh, she never yeah. got it. Never got it. Well, that that's the thing. That, I, I mean, that's how I kissed my wife that night. And, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, if I don't get it then, I'm not going to get it. And... Uh, so one thing I do is I, I take some vitamin D3 and I try to get, you know, a full eight hours sleep whenever possible. And good beer, I think, is a medicinal. Yeah, somehow. in my case, I think it's bourbon, Jay, but uh, it sounds like we're going to the same pharmacist. Right. Thanks. Perfect. Well, Thanks, love, Jay. Love the show. Thanks for taking my call. Sure thing, Jay. Thanks. Have a good weekend. 800-848-9222. Yeah, I am... Um, I'm looking forward to uh, having some time to drop my son off at school and, and pick him up. You know, sometimes when I drop him off, he gets a little upset. He doesn't want to leave. He wants to just hang out with me. But he, his teacher says he always gets over it. And he does seem happy then when I uh, go and pick him up. He has been a little more cranky lately. Now, it could have been because he was under the weather last week. I think a lot of it could just be the terrible twos situation. He gets very clingy, especially with my wife. And, you know, she'll be trying to work in her office and he'll just keep going to her office door and saying, mommy, hold you, mommy, hold you. That's what he says when he when he wants you to hold him. And um, he, he's been getting a little cranky. I think it's just a terrible two situation. And in fact, there have been several instances over the last couple of days where we will. And I am ashamed to say this because I always thought that I would not be the kind of person to do this. But there are some days where you need a few minutes without a screaming child and sometimes will yield to his desire to watch a television program or a movie. And I have not, I had not seen until recently because of him, the film cars and the film is quite good. Um, it, the story is great. The, the 
you know, animation is great. But here's what amazed me about this. It has an incredible cast. Paul Newman is in it. Owen Wilson is in it. Bonnie Hunt is in it. John Rapsenberger, you know, from Cheers, Cliff Clavin, he's in it. Tony Shalhoub is in it. And uh, Tim Allen is in it. Michael Keaton is in it. Tom Hanks is in it. It's an incredible cast. And, the, and you know, there are a lot of animated films, and I've seen a lot of animated films over the years because I used to, especially before fatherhood, used to try and see every Oscar-nominated film in every category and that you would normally involve five animated films. But the thing that I've always been incredible, uh, a little amazed by, is these movies are made for kids. And kids love them. They love the story. They love the music. They love the graphics. And... My son doesn't know who Paul Newman is. He doesn't know who Owen Wilson is, John Ratzenberger is. And I've always wondered why, and if anyone's working in Hollywood or animation or in any film distribution entity and they can answer this question, please call me, 800-848-9222. Why do they get all these big names to play in these animated films? Because these films all earn, you know, $200 million, $180 million. I think if Cars was just a whole bunch of unknowns, you know, good, good actors, but talented voice actors, but not anybody that you'd ever heard of, I guarantee you my son would enjoy this film just as much. So why do the studios spend more money to get somebody like Chris Rock or Owen Wilson or Michael Keaton to be a voice when they could probably take a voice actor, you know, who's just as good, if not better, that you've never heard of, that's totally obscure, and pay them a tenth of what you're paying Owen Wilson. Why don't they do that? That's got to be one of the best gigs in the world, just to be a voice actor in these animated films. I don't know how you get that, but if anybody is um, casting one of these animated films, consider me, I'll be a car. I think we're up to Cars. I think there's been three. I think we're up to Cars 4. I'll be a car in Cars 4. You know, what I think is clever is they have the different cars um, representing different people. Like they have an Arnold Schwarzenegger character. I mean, again, the movie's many years old. But they have an Arnold Schwarzenegger character who's a car as the governor of California. And the, um, the car that Arnold Schwarzenegger is is a Suburban which I thought was clever. And they have a bunch of little in-jokes like that. But And it's not really Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's, you know, and it's an obscure actor. I just don't know why they don't do that. 800 uh, Neil is in Baltimore listening on WCBM. Hello, Neil. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Mr. Morano Domini, how are you? I am doing just dandy. Uh, so good, even my dreams are applying for vacation time. <laughs> so you just mentioned the terrible twos. Well, my two daughters are 23 and 18, but... I and they're in their terrible fondly, 20s, I guess. Yeah, they're, they're uh, conspirators is what they are. But uh, my, I, my fondest memories are when my children were young, just like yours will be. But I used to call it the troublesome twos and the terrible threes because by, by the time they get to three, they've figured everything out. And they're jumping off things and just driving you mad, so... You know, it's a little bit troublesome when they're two, but by three, they're, they are terrible, but lovable. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you, Neil. Have a good weekend. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Silas, what's on your mind? Yes. Um, a few things you said. One with the tree. Um, I had to take a tree down myself 
dealing with Staten Island. And this, you know, they say, well, you can't take that down. This tree was a hundred and some feet high. It would have took down the wires. It would have took down any of my four neighbors or my house. So I just got a hired a crane. I took it down. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'd rather deal with the court than to deal with somebody dying or my right, house getting right, crushed. Right. I don't blame you. And as, um, I wanted to know, how do I get this parody song to you? Well, I have a, can I you email it to me? Wrote a song for you. Can you email it to me? Uh, I so what we recorded, and then I, I guess somebody who knows how to email a, a, a song. Yeah, I mean, or you could send me a CD, whatever you want to do. Oh, okay. And uh, on a serious note, do people understand that? The invasion of um, illegals here is just as bad as over in Israel when, you know, people were sitting back complacent, not realizing these people are moving into your country. And we've got two million of them, terrorists who've moved into our country. And when they start kicking in doors and, you know, shooting or killing people, what are they going to say? That Biden was asleep at the wheel? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm all for a stronger border and uh, doing something about all the folks that are that are in the country illegally, or at least as many as practical. I don't think it's the same as the Israeli situation at all. Uh, I just, I don't. I think it's completely different. I think um, the bulk of the people that are coming here illegally, they're doing here from they're doing it because they think rightly so, that there's a better economic opportunity for them here than from wherever they're coming from. And uh, I I can't begrudge them that. I, I don't blame them. I think very few of them are terrorists and things of that nature. The people I blame are our government for letting them in and for the employers that are willing to hire them. And, I mean, this could all end tomorrow if the government wanted to with respect to better border security having E-Verify enforced on every employer in the country. Of course, we're not going to do that because that would cause the the price of everything to skyrocket if all of a sudden everybody working in every restaurant, every busboy, every waiter had to show that they were legally in the country. You'd see how much you'd be pay, paying for a hamburger the next time you went to a diner. And then as far as the um, these asylum cases, I think... Um, the Remain in Mexico policy never should have been done away with, and we need not hundreds, thousands of new asylum judges. I mean, I mean, it's a joke, the process. It's a joke where you have a situation where folks are coming here, and they're waiting around, in some cases, eight, nine years for their asylum hearing. They're never going to leave. When you're here, when you're waiting for years for your asylum hearing, you're never going to leave. You'll have a kid. Make sure you're able to stay. I mean, it's just the whole process is is a is a joke. And unfortunately, what we're hearing is that there is a possibility of compromise. And unfortunately, the thing that is keeping compromise from happening is politics. The elements of the far left don't want Biden to make a deal that includes greater border security with the Republicans. And they are holding his feet to the fire about that. I did a Facebook video about that uh, last Sunday. And the Republicans, especially those around Donald Trump, they don't want the Republicans to make a deal with the Democrats, which might if not solve the problem, at least ameliorate the problem, because they want to keep this as an election issue for the next nine and a half months. 
So you have a situation where, look, as of now, if the election looks like it's going to come down to abortion and the economy versus um, immigration, inflation, and crime to some extent. And although this year does seem that there's more people focused on foreign policy than there usually is, but put that aside. On domestic issues, it looks like abortion and the economy versus the border and... um, you know, inflation and crime. And so if that border issue is off the table because there's a bipartisan deal to solve this problem, that takes away a very potent arrow in why Trump is leading in so many swing states. And you think about that, politics is not supposed to hinder progress. And unfortunately, that's what it's doing in both parties. I mean, I don't know how to fix this broken system. And when I talk about the broken system, it's not just the immigration system. It's the political system that is totally broken. We have a system that rewards doing nothing and playing to the cheap seats. If you take a look at every member of Congress that has raised the most money this election cycle, almost every single one of them are the most extreme members of their party. Most of them have never passed a single piece of legislation because they're not there to legislate. They're there to tweet. They're there to tweet incendiary things and go on television. And unfortunately, that's where we are. 800-848-9222. We're going to continue with your uh, calls in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Michael McDonald, love this song. This actually used to be John Gambling's theme song for years. A great song. That's where I fell in love with it, listening to uh, John Gambling play it. Uh, 52 minutes after the hour, I'm Frank Morano. If you want to email me, you can do so. Frank.Morano at uh, redappleaudionetworks.com or even if you just want me to put you on my email list, I will do so. Just uh, write me there, frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. Say, add me to your email list and I'll send you emails whenever I um, send them out. Well, when you think of a reformed gangster, guy that, you know, in his day was a real hellraiser, And he comes out of retirement for one last crime. What do you think he would be coming out of retirement for? What comes to mind? Maybe a bank robbery. Maybe a home invasion of a very prominent, um, you know, mansion or something. Maybe a stock pump and dump scheme. Maybe a grand sports betting 
scheme of some sort. Well, no, no, no. Not for Terry John Martin. For Terry John Martin, he was a reformed criminal that wanted one last score. You know what it, what it was? I, I tried to get through with this without laughing. I'm sorry. And it's not funny because, you know, we're talking about crime in people's lives here. His one last score was to steal Dorothy's ruby slippers from the Re- Wizard of Oz. When Terry John Martin was asked to pull off a heist in 2005, he said no, at least at first. This man was um, a mob associate from Martin's crime-filled past, called him in hopes that he would be up for a theft, which was his criminal calling card. But Martin hadn't committed a crime in nearly 10 years, living a different life from the one he'd been embroiled in for decades, and he declined, according to a court filing. But then the idea of adding one last score to his repertoire kept Martin awake at night. So he called this mob associate back and learned about the plan to nab the slippers that Dorothy wore in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yes. And on August 27, 2005, Martin broke the plexiglass display at the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Grand Rapids, Michigan. Shout out to our many listeners on AM 910, the Superstation, to steal the famous slippers. He accidentally left behind a single red sequin. This spurred a nearly 18-year-old mystery about who had stolen the shoes and why. And in October, Mr. Martin, now 76 years old, pled guilty to theft of major artwork in the care of a museum. Dane DeCray, his defense attorney, unveiled the motive behind the theft in uh, a memo to the court in which he appealed for his client to be given a sentence without prison time. The theft, his lawyer wrote, was a criminal relapse. The lawyer told the Washington Post that the document is meant to give the court a comprehensive story ahead of his sentencing. Now, apparently, he was told that the rubies on the ruby slippers were real rubies. Lest anyone think that's the case and try to steal them from the Smithsonian or something, that's not the case. They are not real rubies. There is no need to steal them. The interesting thing about it, Mr. Martin never even saw the movie. What a shame. 800-848-9222. The lovely Lisa is in Connecticut. Hello, Lisa. Hey, how are you? What a great show. Um, What a great interview with RFK Jr. Thank you. Yeah, amazing. It must be really amazing to be around such like great people right to do that job well i mean you know for every rfk i'm around a tony so (laughs) did you know about um what's going on today in history so today was the first european settlement in australia and today is actually Wayne Gretzky's birthday. Well, I knew about Wayne Gretzky's birthday, the great one. I did not know about the first European settlement, uh, the first uh, settlement in Australia. My brother's actually in Australia now. Maybe I'll tell him to call in. And then um, for your gangster stuff, Lucky Luciano, 
who was the most powerful chief of America organized crime in the early 1930s and was deported to his native Italy in 1946, died at the age of 65 on this day. Really? In 1962. Very mm-hmm. interesting, Lisa. I did not I did not know that. Lisa, I hope uh, you have a great weekend. I know you've been going through a lot. I'm wishing you the best of luck. Thank you. You too. Thank, Thank you. you. 800-848-9222. The original Rick is in original Jersey. Hello, Rick. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Um, oh, actually, Rick, I didn't realize uh, where we are time-wise. Hang on. I don't want to cut you off. We'll, we'll take your call after the top of the hour, okay? Okay. Okay, right, sure. Hang on. All right. We're, after the top of the hour, not only will you get to hear what Rick has to say, which, believe me, is worth the price of admission, but there's a story you may not have heard about. I'm going to bring it to your attention, and there's a new trend, which I think is just absurd, as I think most of these trends are. I'll explain. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Until next hour, your influence counts. Be sure to use it.